You're listening to Recruiter Connections, a conversational podcast with industry professionals about career success. My name is Simone Roberts. Today, I welcome Ashley Flower to the show. Ashley's a principal civil designer with Bly Tanner here in Brisbane. Ashley and I have known each other a long time uh, and you have built an amazing team here at, at Bly Tanner. So thank you for joining me today, Ash, to shed some spotlight on the civil design career. You're welcome. Um, this is interesting. I was, I was actually quite pumped when you reached out to me. I was um, a bit nervous, but at the same time, I was um, excited to, to share my story a little bit and talk about what we do here at BT and um, if there's any listeners that could, I don't know, gain any value from my story. Absolutely. So let's start at the beginning. How did you get into civil design drafting or into the industry? Yeah, well, I'm going to go back a little bit further, actually. So I grew up in a really small rural town in North Queensland, which um, I absolutely loved. So my life was, you know, agriculture and motorbikes and um, skiing and fishing. And we grew up in a lifestyle where you you did a lot of things you probably shouldn't have at a young age. Um, you know, people if you did, if you weren't driving a car at twelve, you are you are nobody. And um, all those sort of things, I think, actually create certain life skills that you carry through. Um, I was I was always good at school, even though I didn't really try very hard. Um, and then I I really don't know how, but I, I sort of just chose engineering at JCU and enrolled. I went there for my first 12 months and I partied way too much and all that sort of stuff and I had a great group of friends living on campus and we had a ball. Um, but at the end of the first year, I think I passed six, failed two and was going back for my second year and just really wasn't excited about anything. Typical 18-year-old, you know. Um, at that point, I went and... I dropped out for a bit and I did some construction and I had a boss for six months that still to this day, I think he's one of the worst people I've ever met, but that sort of motivated me to get my stuff together. Um, I remember going home in the evening and emailing like Tease and Rio Tinto and saying, hi, this is me. Um, have you got an entry level job? You know, I just want to get into the workforce. I was used to working. Um, and by coincidence, one day, uh, a company named Monsell, who is AECOM now in Townsville, uh, said, would you like to come in for a cadetship interview? And I said, yep, don't know what a cadetship is. Sure. I came from work in stinky concrete and clothes. I, I said to them first that this was going to happen. I, I probably smelt really bad. Um, and they looked at my OP and they'd seen that I'd already done some engineering. And I, I guess I spoke well and they gave me the job. I knew, I, knew not, I fell into it. Uh, and then I started doing it and I, I, I really loved it. I loved the drafting and all that sort of stuff. And it was a boom period at the time. This was like 06. ACOM or Monsell was winning all the big roads projects. And I was fortunate enough that within six months I was working on it. $200 million road project and another six months after that I was leading or assisting you know drafting packages for these jobs like hundreds and hundreds of drawings um, leading smaller teams so um, that was a huge opportunity and um, it helped fast track things um, so part of the cadetship 
was studying tertiary, got my degree in record time in 18 months. And then that really wasn't enough for me because I always wanted to do a bit more. So I went on and did a Bachelor of Engineering Technology, which in layman's terms is like two-thirds of a full engineering degree. Um, I got the transfer down to Brisbane after a few years just for a bit of a lifestyle and career change. Um, And again, I was lucky enough to be immediately put on a big project in Moreton Bay Rail Link. And I spent 18 months there where I was leading the entire rail design team, a thousand drawings, 12 people under me doing all the 12D for my section as well as leading the whole drafting team. So big responsibilities, but I always thrived in those areas. You know, that Friday push when 600 drawings have got to go out and, you know, it's – I always used to love that, like playing in like a footy team or or when I used to work agriculture, like – you know, there's a shot clock. Um, I used to love that pressure. Um, and then I met you. <laughs> I was, to be perfectly frank, and, I, and I'll say it here, when I when I moved down to Brisbane, the ACOM office at HQ was was not my favourite place. They didn't have the, the culture I was used to. And I was a bit fearful of actually going back there. The work was amazing. The, the technical people around me were first class. I just, I needed more. I needed the the friendships, the camaraderie and all that sort of stuff. So at that time I reached out to you and you hooked me up with an interview here for BT and the rest is history. Absolutely. So from your perspective, how important is design qualification, education for the design career? I think for... Everyone, not just engineer, you know, you're an accountant, you're a, well, certainly a doctor, you know, you've got to have um, the runs on the board behind you. Um, as lots of people can tell you, as you move forward in your career, do you ever go back to the old textbooks? Probably less so. I haven't done a very detailed algebraic equation in <laughs> quite some time. But I think what it, like if, when, I'm, when I'm looking or recruiting now for new employees, I do look at their grades because it it talks about, your your willpower, your your attitude, your your ability to apply yourself. So it is it is relevant, and and there are subjects out there now that are very very relatable to the workforce. You know, um, as in civil engineering, there's there's pavement design subjects, geotechnical subjects. I didn't know much about dirt at all until I got into engineering. And um, yeah, we all know that the the, the tough algebraic sort of subjects are less. <laughs> God, they suck. We we all know they suck. Um, but yeah, you don't, you don't use them as much. I think the structural boys very much do, but us in civil, we don't. So yes, I believe it still does play a bit of a, a bit of a role. What does a typical day look like in your role currently? Um, well, to be frank, I'm very spoiled. <laughs> and this is what I love about where I'm at now is I get variety. So... Um, I'm still on the tools. I'm still on 12D most days at, at BT here. We do a lot of our own drafting and that sort of stuff, um, which, which I, I enjoy doing. I can put on some headphones, listen to music and that sort of stuff. So that, that still makes up, up um, big portions of my day. I get to attend a lot of meetings with clients. Um, I oversee the finances on my own projects. I'm out bidding for proposals, trying to win work for the company. I really like that 
part of it. I, I really enjoy the commercial side of it. And my favorite bit is probably like building the rapport with clients, colleagues, um, other industry people, architects, and that sort of landscape architects around town, contractors. I like. <laughs> I can pick up the phone now and call a contractor and I was doing some work at my house the other day. I'm like, hey, mate, you got any free fill? Like that's – I love the fact that I can do that now. Um, it's it's good. That, so that variety is, is the main bit of my day that I like. Oh, and, of course, you got your site visits and inspections as well. So it's a mixed bag and that's what I, I love about it the most. Touching on technology then, software, technology, what softwares do you use? Yeah, so um, being in Queensland um, in the civil civil space, it's it's pretty simple for us. It's it's CAD and twelve D. Uh, CAD we use for all our drawing production, and twelve D we use for our our three D design models. Uh, we also use twelve D now for all our drainage networks as well. We used to use PC Drain, and um, you know you can use XP Swim, which our flood modelers use, and mix and match a little bit. But yeah, our drainage models um, are now within our our twelve D software. Uh, I I I really like twelve D because it's not user friendly. I know that sounds backwards, but it it sort of forces people to get really good at it, um, and it takes things back to first principles a little bit and you're doing calcs in your head all the time and you're, you're changing things around. Um, it's not a pretty software and that sort of stuff. Um, but talking about pretty, like we we now are doing our own 3D visualizations in-house. Um, I don't want to give too much away because it's it's sort of close to our heart, but we, we output our, our 3D designs from 12D and then we import them into SketchUp and then we piggyback off other visualization sort of softwares which create these beautiful 3D renders. Um, I know 3D renders are very common and you see them out there a lot. Um, a lot of them, though, are created by you know architects and designers, uh, sorry, like specific render designers and that sort of stuff, and nothing against them. They look beautiful, but the great thing about ours are they're geometrically correct, so... They're, they're to the millimetre. They're just a reflection of our 12D model, just in a different platform presented with a few rocks, a few birds, a few skies, a few sunsets, some moving cars and that sort of stuff. So um, that's a space I'm pretty passionate about at the moment. And we've been, me and the other boys, a few of them are pretty keen on it as well. We've been making some really cool stuff. And our structural guys do too, through Revit, going through um, our other softwares, um, uh, they do they do some really cool fly throughs as well. Lucky clients that you have. Yeah, so it's 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 an opportunity for us in twofold. It's it's something that we can you know market um, as as it's we usually put it in as a provisional um, in some of our jobs. Sometimes it's just built in because it's part and parcel. Um, but it's it's sort of something that we can offer as an extra. And then further to that, when we're, we're done with the job, it's, you know, it's marketable material. Everyone loves a visualization fly-through. Um, our clients, whether it be council and stuff, can use it for public consultation. Sometimes jobs, you know, they're on the fence and they're not sure whether it's going to get up. You give someone a visualization fly-through and everyone thinks it's the best thing in the world. <laughs> so, yeah. If you are a professional in the engineering or built environment space, and would like to connect with us, you can find out our details at our website, www.recruitr.com.
www.radio-talk.ie. So obviously when you started with Blytana, you were in a more junior role than you are now. Uh, so looking then at designer, senior designer, principal level designer, what are the key uh, differences, I suppose, in the person from a designer perspective, senior designer and then principal? Yeah, sure. So um, let's just talk about technical because in the end that's what people are, are hired for. Um, so a designer should be able to do all their own drafting. Um, they should be able to do their own 12D models up to a point that perhaps aren't you know, the larger or the more complex sort of designs. A senior designer after that should be able to do both own own their projects for start to finish, be quite autonomous, working closely with the engineer, the PM or the RPQ that they're working with. The senior designer just continues to grow their skill sets from the designer, um, really starting to take an ownership. They should be an expert in their field in CAD and 12D. Um, this is where they can start to develop a little bit of a... Um, a preference for certain types of work. So you might have a road specialist or a subdivision specialist or different sort of urban infrastructure type specialists. Some then start to get into that, like they really love the stormwater development or I don't like it, but the, the, the sewer and water and all the SEQ code sort of stuff. Um, that's where they can sort of pick their niche a little bit. Um, I also think this is, this is an important part where you start to understand like the software is a little bit like um, not writing the code but like understanding what happens behind the software. Um, like for 12D technical people listening to this would know, you know, having your mapping files and your, your chain files and, and having that all linked up autonomously um, creates a very efficient workspace. And then so principal level? Yeah, so principal I think can sort of be two types there's there's what i'd call my type where i don't i don't feel i'm any technically stronger than the other seniors in my office in fact they're 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 brighter and smarter than me in different areas we all have our own sort of spaces what what i advertise to my managers to go to go to principal was the fact that i believe i could have added extra value in um, you know, bidding for work or managing the finances, project management, client relations and that sort of stuff. But that being said, the other type of principle could be just that that very specific, smart individual um, technically. So when I used to work at ACOM, we had people employed who were writing snippets and stuff like that for 12D. They were, you know, beta testing. They were like, Experts, I mean, tip of the spear in certain sort of softwares and that sort of stuff. So that can be a principle as well. Um, and, and a design manager is anyone that can, can manage that process. And again, like we need to remember that we're all different people out there. There's, there's some people, especially those technically strong ones that, you know, they're, they're more introverted. They prefer just to, you know, just do the grind. And there's some perhaps maybe more like myself that like to be a bit more bubbly and outspoken and, and all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, horses for courses. Absolutely. When you're growing your team and hiring people, you touched on it a little bit before uh, with uh, education, but what attributes do you look for in a design in a designer coming on board? Yeah, so um, 
when I'm hiring, well, when, when we are hiring someone already established, like a designer or a senior, it's it's going off, you know, the projects that they've worked on, some of their examples of work. Um, personality comes into it and that sort of stuff. You always get a feel about someone. Um, if someone can show me that they've got a really strong design background, um, I, I like that. What I really struggle with, which we, which we have every 12 months, is we, we like to put on a new cadet every 12 months. And that we find really difficult because you're not – You've got nothing for them to compare to and you're trying to guess what they will be one day. Um, when I'm in an interview with a cadet, I always ask them, I said, hey, do you play um, Sim City or Age of Empires or any of those sorts of games? And some say, oh, yeah, and some like say, what? And it, it has, it's not a prerequisite, but I used to play those things and they, they're just building games. Like, you know, you're building infrastructure and managing resources and all that sort of stuff. Like... When you're a person on the tools for 40, 50 hours a week, that's the thing. You're in the grind. You've got your headphones on. You're just you're clicking, clicking all day. So, Is it a very different recruitment process for you, for a cadet? Extremely, extremely. Um, what do you look for in that sort of instance? Um, for cadets, I actually like to, you know, I say, what do you do in your spare time? And one, I remember one a couple of years ago who we put on, he said, oh, I like to pull parts cars apart and put them back together and I immediately knew then he knew how things work and go together and there's a bit of resilience there and and that sort of stuff um I'm I don't mean any offense to the the new generation but we all grew up now on iPhones and that sort of stuff and um the the person that can sort of yeah put things together goes goes a long way so yeah I'm a, I'm a I'm a country guy as well, so I always sort of have a bit of a soft spot for for that. I understand completely. With the team that you have, what sort of culture do you uh, promote within your team? Uh, we promote a culture that is um, maybe the directors wouldn't like to hear it this way, but I sort of see it as like a a work hard, play hard sort of attitude. And I don't mean that's like you know your 1980s Japanese businessman. I just mean like we take our work seriously and we're all very professional, but at the same time, at the end of the day, we're all still pretty good friends. We hang out socially quite a lot. Um, I actually help run like the social club sort of stuff here. And I think that that is huge to culture. So if you've got someone that's had a bad week, you know, they're, they're on seek.com at the end of the week shopping around because they've just had a really frustrating week and we try and have, you know, end of month drinks or trivia nights and that sort of stuff, just fun stuff. And that's just, we have morning teas every Friday. Um, Lynn, our amazing receptionist brings around ice creams on Fridays afternoons, you know, those sorts of things are a key. Um, you can't buy happiness, but I tell you what, a nice cold beer at the end of the week, you know, can go a long way. And, this is this is what I really like about thinking about things commercially is like if you know if we go down to the bar once a month and we spend a couple of hundred dollars on some beers and we all take a deep breath and unwind a little and have that culture between us like that's peanuts in the scheme of things if that great employee gets frustrated and wants to leave and we need to spend thousands and 
tens of thousands of dollars on replacing that person and then and then the fact that the new person that you get can't be guaranteed to be great and then there's the time that takes them to come up to speed like your people are your business so culture is right up there and i'm pretty confident that that's on our mission statement up there that um culture is number one if you have listeners out there who are uh, interested in pursuing the same career path as perhaps you had in civil design, what advice would you give them? Uh, firstly, I'd grow a beard. Um, that That's like key. <laughs> and the joke behind that is I've always had this sort of baby face and at the tender age of 33, I've finally been able to grow a beard and, you know, life's really taken off since then. <laughs> um, I think understanding like who you are and what you want to be is important you know i feel i was almost almost destined for this sort of thing a little bit in the fact that i i like to speak with people i like that camaraderie i like all that so that led me to um once i'd worked out all my technical stuff after 15 years of you know being technical or 10 years of being technical it then gave me the ability to go all right well where can i grow next and the next area i could grow in was the business side and the commercial side and the employment and people management side and that sort of stuff. But not everyone's like that. Some people are just really good at their craft. And this is this is our craft. It's it's software and it's design and drawings and all that sort of stuff. And that's fine. So understanding what you're good at and tailoring it to that. You know, there might be people out there that are seniors at the moment that want to go design manager. Then do that. You don't have to be bubbly it might not be in your makeup um that's fine just set a goal and go towards it or you know they say a leopard can't change its spots maybe you might need to think well what can i do to be a bit different what is it worth me taking a business management course if you really don't i've always sort of got that stuff pretty well but you know if you don't then go study a bit of business management practice public speaking practice you know your rapport and um, networking and that sort of stuff with with people challenge yourself yes indeed is there anything else that we didn't cover that you would like to add uh no i guess um if i'm out there speaking to the other designers out there just um keep cracking keep persevering refine your craft um and if you want to go a bit further then do it don't hesitate um just try and find what you're passionate about because if you've got passion, the rest tends to take care of itself. Perfect. Great advice. Thank you, Ash, for sharing your story. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Recruiter Connections podcast. My name is Simone Roberts and my podcast partner is Marla Ludikins. We are specialist recruiters for the engineering and built environment sector. You can find us at www.recruitr.com.au.